Welcome to Near Death Experience Podcast, the official source of audio accounts for the Near Death Experience Research Foundation, nderf.org. I'm Chaz Hathaway, author of Life in the Spirit World, What Near-Death Experiences May Teach About Life on the Other Side, which is available at neardeathexperiencepodcast.org. Today we're going to share the experience of Martin from endearth.org. He says, I had been in the hospital for 8 to 10 hours before they decided to perform an exploratory procedure on me to see what was causing all the pain. I lost track of time and only determined that that weeks afterward. The pain was all-consuming. I do remember that I was in a hallway outside the operating theater lying on a gurney. I was moaning from the pain. A corpsman walked up and said the pain should subside because they gave me a pre-anesthetic. I remember being rolled into the operating theater, the pain lessening. A mask was placed on my face, and I was told to breathe deep. The next thing I knew was that I was rising up from my body toward the ceiling. I knew my body and other people were below me, but I kept looking up. I stopped near the ceiling light. It was next to my face, very bright. Next thing I knew, I was outside, over a river, but before the, a slight rise in the land with a small house off to the left. And there was a lady, dark, long hair, a little curl, shoulder length, about my age, who was extremely happy to see me. I was not standing on the ground. She had her hands on both sides of my head and kissed me a couple of times, not sexual, just happy to see me. She hugged me. She didn't speak, but told me she was very happy to see me again, that she knows I don't remember her, but it was okay because she loved me, and I would remember if I came with her. More importantly, I had a decision to make. It was perfectly all right if I wanted to return to my life, and it would be perfectly all right if I went with her. It was up to me. I do remember feeling a sense of almost overwhelming serenity. It was great. I also noticed an old man, white hair, heavy set, with a neutral look on his face. He was waiting for me to decide. He was to my right and down a little bit. There was a wooden door behind him, and he had a bunch of keys on his belt. He didn't look me in the eye or communicate with me in any way. I didn't get the feeling if he was good or bad. He was just waiting very patiently. I also knew that if he opened the door, I would not be returning. I don't remember any fear, but I did know he would accomplish whatever my decision would be. The ceiling light was still near my face at that time, and I knew I was still in the hospital room, but I was also above and outside at the same time with those two people. I remember a sense of calm, a feeling that everything was all right. I did have a decision to make, though. The lady was still reassuring me that I would be happy and everything would fall into place if I went with her, but she would also understand if I stayed. 
I remember thinking that I wasn't finished yet, that there was something I had to do yet. What that was, I didn't know, but I did know I didn't finish what I was supposed to do. I told them I had to go back. I turned away and felt myself going down, my decision made. The ceiling light was growing dimmer. I was glad to get it out of my face. I remember going back into my body, and as soon as I did, I sat up, and a lady placed a hand on my chest, pushing me down and telling me that I had to lie down. The doctor wasn't done yet. I said, okay, and laid down. I heard the other people in the room talking, but I can't remember what they said. I felt a mask being placed over my mouth and nose. I also knew that it was a nurse and not the dark-haired lady. I wanted to tell her that I came back, but I don't know if I did or not. That's the end of Martin's experience. So Martin's experience seems to be a good example of this multi-attention as well as multiple location uh, capacity that we seem to have as spirits. And I don't know... um, how to explain this being in two places at once kind of thing, but um, it's it's as a and then maybe I don't know. It, he says that um, that he was still up by the light, so he had he drifted from his body, was aware of the people and his own body behind him, but he drifted up toward the light, the ceiling light, and it sounds like it really was the ceiling light because he's. His face is basically right up in the, uh, you know, against the ceiling light, and it's kind of annoying him um, that his face is just right there against it. But he says, but at the same time, he was at another place. And let me see if I can find here. He says that, yes, um, the ceiling light was still near my face at that time, and I knew I was still in the hospital operating theater, but I was also up above and outside at the same time with these two people. So it's it's as if he's in two places at the same time somehow. And his attention seems to be at the different things at the different times. So at first his attention is in the room, you know, and the ceiling light and so forth. And the ceiling light is very bright. And it could be that he's seeing this grand light beyond the light, I don't know, but because he does say it's very bright, but he does say that he's also there in this room next to this light. But then he says, next thing I knew, I was outside over a river, but before a slight rise in the land with a small house off to the left, and there was a dark, uh, there was a lady uh, with dark, long hair and a little bit of curl, shoulder length, about her age, who was extremely happy to see him. So he's he's both in the hospital, but then his attention is instantly drawn to this other place where he is um, with this landscape in a small house off to the left. Um, apparently a very beautiful sight. And this woman about his age is incredibly happy to see him. Um, she realizes or she recognizes that he does not yet remember her but says it's okay if you come with me you will remember me but if you don't you know you're welcome to go back and I understand is kind of the uh, the message that she carries and there's also this other man standing there 
just neutral as if just kind of a witness or perhaps a, uh, you know, someone with some kind of authority to, you know, allow him to move on if he's ready or whatever and so forth. And he says that there was a wooden door behind him and he had a bunch of keys on his belt. Now, this is interesting because here we're at this landscape and then now he's, you know, there's also this man with a door and, you know, while some experiences the person seems to be in maybe a gray mist or a white mist or sometimes even in darkness or in basically some kind of nondescript location or perhaps just in with clouds around something like that uh, flying or floating whatever but in this case it seems that uh, that he is on this landscape and I'm not clear if he is you know if this door is just a you know a door going to somewhere? Is it a door going to the house? Um, it, it's not clear or or what, but it it seems like this door is a symbolic, um, per, perhaps a, one of these metaphoric real things um, where it is both metaphorical and really there um, in, in a spirit form anyway. Um, but he does have the clear impression that if that man opens the door based on um, Martin's decision to go back, then he would not be able to return to his life. But that if he chose to go back, the door would not be opened, and Martin would return to his body. And uh, and this woman, his age, who is so happy to see him, um, says very clearly that uh, that he is. It's his choice and he can choose whether to go back or not. And the thing that makes him decide is the sensation that he has not accomplished what he meant to accomplish. He says, I remember thinking that I wasn't finished yet. There was something I had to do yet. What it was, I didn't know. But I did know I didn't finish what I was supposed to do. And that's interesting because often people on the other side they know at that time what they're supposed to do, but they forget when they return. This seems to be that he simply does not know at that time what it is, but he does have a clear impression that he has not finished it yet. And whatever it is, he ought to go back to finish it. And so he says, he says, I told them I had to go back. I turned away and felt myself going down, my decision made. And he says, the ceiling light was growing dimmer. I was glad to get it out of my face. And this is, seems to be, you know, the, uh, this bi-attentional thing, of having attention or location in two different places, seems to be showing itself again, because he says he turned away from the people to go back toward them, going down, and also that the ceiling light was growing dimmer and I was glad to get it out of my face. So it's not like turning away from the light was turning away from the people, unless this was an example of the 360 degree, you know, um, visual range, which is also possible, but it sounds like he turns away from the people and starts going down, and at the same time he is drifting away from this light on the ceiling still facing it but and then 
he says, I remember going back into my body, and as soon as I did, I sat up. So, I don't know if he just sat down and laid into his body, or if it was uh, it's what the mechanics of that was, but it, it was obviously natural enough that uh, Martin doesn't mention exactly how it was done. My guess is that he just laid into his body. But um, very interesting, very, very interesting. He also mentions throughout the experience an incredible calm and peace about uh, what he was experiencing. So there was no sense of fear. No, You know, that coming back to life is, you know, for some it's like, no! Others, it's like this peaceful resignation. And for him it seems like there is a sense of purpose about it. So while coming back can be physically painful because, you know, re-entering a broken body hurts, um, in the uh, physical form or the uh, spiritual form, it seems to be generally a peaceful thing. So anyway, yeah, very interesting. If you would like to contact the podcast, either to share, an, share a comment or to ask a question or to share your own near-death experience or someone you, the experience of someone you know or love, um, you can do so by emailing neardeathexperiencepodcast at gmail.com. I'd be happy to share your experience. If you'd like to remain anonymous, just say so in the email. Or you can call 970-NDE-CAST. That will give you three minutes to share a message. If you can't get your whole message in that time, just call right back and continue your message. Um, there is no one to, p- the, to pick up the phone. It just goes straight to the message. So you can just keep calling back until you get your full message shared. I will splice it together for the podcast unless you specify um, that you don't want it shared. Um, and if you would like to financially support the podcast, you can do so by either purchasing the book, Life in the Spirit World, which you can find in the bookstore on neardeathexperiencepodcast.org, or you can go to patreon.com slash ndecast and become an ongoing monthly contributor. And if you do that, you will also have an extra episode of the podcast every week. And I've tried to save some of the, you know, when I have podcasts or episodes, um, experiences that I come across and I'm like, this is a little more in depth. It's a little bit longer reading. I sometimes save it for those, um, people because I want to give them something for, as a thanks for being an ongoing monthly contributor. They have made it so that I can keep doing this financially, you know, there's there's not much that a person gets out of a podcast, uh, doing a podcast, but by their contributions, I'm able to keep going with this, and as well as those who purchase the book. It's, it's a way of uh, supporting the work, and I don't want you to feel guilty. Those of you that can't contribute in some way, please don't feel guilty. Just keep listening, and just, you know, send me a comment, or put a review out. I read those, and the incredible encouragement that I get from them just absolutely keeps me going. It gives me a sense of purpose, feels like I'm doing something worthwhile. So, you know, if you're just listening, that's great. And uh, I'd love to hear from you. But if not, if you're just listening and, and having a positive experience, that really is enough for me. So once again, thank you all of you so much for listening. <laughs>